You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, welcome to Baptism Sunday. We're going to have an awesome time this morning. My name is Ryan. I serve as a lead pastor here at the church. This is our second service in these buildings. So we're thrilled to be here today. And I know so many of you have already uh, registered to be baptized. And some of you may today think, oh man, it's too late. I, I can't get baptized. Well, you can. At North Valley, uh, we encourage anybody that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ to go public with their faith and be baptized. So um, here in just a, uh, after the message, we're going to continue on um, in worship. But this time what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody baptized right over there. And then you guys can just stay in your seats and then we'll have a video going so you can see the baptisms up close. And it's going to be an awesome, awesome time together to do that today. I know that there was over 13 people already registered and uh, some of you um, came today and you're in question. I want to encourage you to take that step of faith and be baptized uh, today. It's an awesome picture, baptism is, is of the power of the resurrection, that the old is gone and the new has come. And that resurrecting power of Jesus Christ is in your life. And it's nothing you have to work for. It's something that you receive by God's grace. And that baptism is a a sign and a testimony of how God uh, wants to work in your life. And it's an opportunity for the church family to celebrate that, that you get a new family, a new identity, and all that. So it's going to be a fun time together in that. Well, we've been in a teaching series called 40 Days with Jesus. And today is, is uh, we're going to be looking at the temptation of Christ. It's interesting to me, as we look at the, at the temptation of Jesus, is that um, just last week was Christ's baptism. So in a very spiritually significant time frame in his life, this guy, Jesus, is proclaimed himself to be the son of God. The heavens have opened up and says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And immediately he's tempted. When we go through spiritually significant mountaintop experiences, I promise you this, that the devil, the accuser, will come and tempt you, derailing, destroying, uh, deterring you from what God's plan and purpose is for your life. Um, It's no coincidence that as we pick up in the scene today in Matthew chapter 4, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. That's where we're going to be, looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to see the temptation of Jesus Christ. Watch this video, and I'll come right back. Stone becomes bread. 
bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If God loves you, throw yourself down. His angels will lift you up in their hands. How dare you put God to the test? If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you the whole world. Crucify him! It's interesting to me as we look at the, the gospel account of the temptation of Jesus Christ that the Bible says that he was there in the wilderness for a period of 40 days. It's, there's a lot of parallels with the life of Israel. Israel was wandering in the wilderness for a period of 40 years. The number 40 has a spiritual significance all throughout the scriptures. Today, we're going to look at this time period in which Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. The wilderness would have been a dangerous place where there would have been uh, snakes, scorpions, extreme heat, extreme cool, coolness in the night, high winds. And Jesus takes the time right after his baptism is led out into the wilderness. And the Bible says is that he was tempted by the devil. Many of you face temptation at higher levels than some of others, but we all face temptation and here we see in the life of Jesus Christ that he was tempted by the devil himself. The Bible explains spiritual world in a physical world like this. There is Satan, and that word Satan literally means in the Hebrew, accuser. It's the accuser. It's the one who accuses the person. And what we're going to see is his accusations against Jesus. And those tactics are very common in practice in your own spiritual Christian faith as well. In the Greek, the word devil means uh, accuser, means the very same thing. In the life of Christ, we're going to see that he faces toe-to-toe with the devil. He faces temptations, yet he was completely human, yet he's completely divine. You need to know Jesus' human nature was tempted to sin. Jesus was 100% human. The, this has been a uh, discussion in, uh, for, within church history, and it was really clarified in 451 AD at what's known as the Chalcedonian Creed or Council, 
where churches gathered together to confirm that Jesus was 100% man, but yet he was 100% God. And so the question comes is, how does God get tempted? Well, we need to look at it. It's been called the hypostatic union, meaning Jesus is 100% man, yet he's 100% God. Jesus in his humanity and his human nature was tempted to sin. The Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, there's a lot of confusion about uh, who the devil and Jesus. I've heard uh, stories that there can be confusion about uh, Jesus. Even in the Mormon culture, many believe that it's a pretty crazy off-base uh, idea, but Jesus is like a half-brother to the devil. And it's important that you need to understand the clearer your Christology is, meaning your study and your understanding of Christ, the more pure in your faith and your uh, robust your faith will be. The greatest heresies of the world uh, seem to stem around the humanity or the divinity of Jesus Christ. There is no greater study you could place yourself in in, the, in, the, in exploring the Christian faith or building your faith is that of the work of Jesus Christ. At Dallas Theological Seminary, I had the privilege to study under a professor. Listen to the guy's name. His name was Dr. Pentecost. I mean, that's a name that you ought to pay attention to. Uh, Dr. Pentecost is a world-renowned scholar. He's passed away, but I sat under his teaching. The guy was like in his 90s by the time he passed away, and I had the privilege to sit under his teaching. He wrote books and books about the words and the works of Jesus Christ. No greater course impacted my life than all the courses I ever took. I took, got two master's degrees from Dallas Seminary, and if I could just choose one, it would be the study of Jesus Christ. You are a part of a teaching series that's walking through that person in the work of Jesus Christ. What you need to understand in his temptation, you can relate. Why can you relate to Jesus? How can you relate to Jesus? Because he was 100% man. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. That was a supernatural birth, but he was born into his humanity. He took on flesh. He didn't give anything up. He took on and added to himself humanity. And he had a father, Joseph. He grew up slinging a hammer. He knew what it was like to uh, be a tough construction worker. They didn't have power tools back in that day, so Jesus would have been strong. Jesus went to parties. Jesus went to weddings. Jesus went to funerals. Jesus cried at funerals. Jesus walked and lived a life just like me and you. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus was tempted in every regard, in every respect, just like you and me. So that gives us great hope is seeing that. But in his life, he lives a sinless life. Jesus was 100% man, and in his human nature, he was tempted to sin. The plain clarity of Scripture says that he was in the wilderness and to be tempted by the devil. Yet his divinity, the, we need to understand the divinity of Jesus, the divine nature cannot be tempted to sin. So you have two things at play, a two natures of Christ, a human nature, which you and I have, but a divine nature. We don't possess that at, that at what Jesus possesses. His divine nature cannot be tempted to sin. James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be, be tempted by evil. Let's read that together. For God cannot be tempted by evil. In other words, nothing persuades God to be tempted. And Jesus in his divinity cannot be tempted to sin so what happened in the wilderness? 
What happened there? What we see is this humanity being stretched and perplexed and challenged in every single way. And Satan, the accuser, is going after that. 100% of his humanity. And in his divinity, though, the Bible says that he cannot be tempted by evil. The Bible doesn't really say a lot uh, about the details of this two natures of Christ, his human nature and his divine nature, but it says it does exist. It's very similar to the concept in the Bible called the Trinity. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We serve one God, three persons, all fully being God. Um, there's a lot of things in the Christian faith that we don't understand, but the plain clarity of Scripture, how important it is for you to look at Scripture and just see what it says. For God cannot be tempted by evil. So in his human nature, he was tempted to sin. In his divine nature, he cannot be tempted to sin. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 1 through 2, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's very normal. If you were fasting for that long of a time, you would be hungry. Um, you know, if you get, what happens when you get hungry? Some of you get angry and cranky because I know because I've worked with you volunteering in this church and we've kept you for two, two services plus, And you've said to me, I'm hungry and I'm tired. And then now you're getting cantankerous and cranky. When you're hungry and angry, you become hangry is what you become. Jesus was uh, at very much a, in his humanity, incredibly hungry. So the first temptation that we see of the devil is that the first temptation of Jesus is an appeal to personal needs. Every single one of us have personal needs. We have a need for food, water, shelter. We have, a, we have personal needs. And what the devil is going to do is exactly what he did with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Remember with Adam, the serpent in the form of a ser- Satan in the form of a serpent comes to Adam and says, hey, why don't you just take of the fruit? And here we see the tempter coming to Jesus and saying this in Matthew 4, 3. And the tempter came to and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. In other words, I know you're hungry, and I, why don't you just show off your power because you are the son of God, aren't you? And command these stones to become bread. That's the very same tactic that the enemy used in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, 1. What I love about the Bible is that it weaves together from beginning to end. Adam failed. Adam was given a test in the garden. Don't eat of this forbidden fruit. You know, it's funny, like on the Apple logo, it's a piece of forbidden fruit. I don't know if Steve Jobs meant to do that, but it's the apple with a bite out of it. And what God had commanded Adam in the Garden of Eden is don't take of this fruit. It was a sign. It was a test. It was, it was God's one command. And the Satan comes in and says, does God really say not any fruit, not any tree? And so it's a personal need. Everybody needs to eat. And in the mix of that, we see that the tempter comes to Jesus and he says this, if you are the son of God, let's say that together. If you are the son of God, the first thing you need to know about temptation in the life of Christ, and it's a parallel to you, is that the tempter, the accuser, the accusations that you hear in your head and feel in your heart at times, Deep accusations derailing your identity. 
If Satan can derail your identity as a believer in Jesus Christ, a son or a daughter, then you got nobody. You don't, you're not a part of God's family. You can hear accusations in your head and your heart like you're unforgivable, you're unlovable, God doesn't love you. See, right at the baptism, what happened? Spiritually, a mountaintop experience. And this is the way it works in our life too. Big, powerful experience spiritually. Awesome things are going. As soon as that happens, boom, here comes the tempter. And what God had said and validated and authenticated as a good, good heavenly father of, of Jesus, he says, the clouds open, the, God's voice comes down and says, this is my, what, beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Well, the tempter knew that, heard that. And he wants to derail Christ in his mission. Because if Jesus goes to the cross, then he will defeat sin and defeat, overturn Satan's power. And so he's doing everything he can, attacking personal needs, uh, just confusing, trying to confuse Jesus's identity. And he says this, if you are the son of God, why don't you do this? Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Matthew 4, 4, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why are God's words better than our words? Because he's the creator of heaven and earth. Because his words are eternal, the Bible says. The power of God's voice in your life is the best power and the best voice you ever need to hear. If you don't know God's word, you won't hear his voice. If you don't know his word, then the voice of the accuser will be the voice that you accidentally operate by. You'll be discouraged. You'll hear things like you're worthless. I mean, I had friends in high school that would end up taking their lives because they were so discouraged, so depressed, so misled and deceived. I want to tell you something. The Bible talks about angels and demons. Those, those are real. There's spiritual forces at work all the time. Here with the person and work of Jesus Christ, this is Satan himself, present. And he is in his attacking the humanity of Jesus Christ and saying, you can take a shortcut. You can meet your physical needs. But Jesus responds in temptation and he says, this man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's echoing what the Israelites were doing as depending on God in their wilderness experience. The second temptation of Jesus is an appeal to personal gain. The in Matthew 4, 5 through 6, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, that's Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, that's at the top, to get a bird's eye view of everything in Jerusalem. Jesus' work would be in Jerusalem. And said to him, If you are, here it is again, if you are the Son of God, identity attack. If you are, prove it. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. In other words, take the shortcut out of here. Take the shortcut. Throw yourself down, for it is written. Look at this. Satan, the accuser, he's quoting Scripture. He's taking truth and trying to manipulate Christ himself. That happens to Christians all the time. You hear Scripture, and you think, oh, well, I must obey it but you don't understand it because you haven't studied or you haven't really thought about it well and it's a half-truth and you believe it and you go forward and you end up finding yourself more discouraged, more depressed, more frustrated, more guilt laid, laid over. 
He says, for if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels, meaning the heavenly Father, concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But you know what's interesting? It's the same lie that was in the Garden of Eden. See, when Satan came to Adam, he said, if you eat of this uh, fruit, you won't die. Surely you won't die. Surely you won't. In other words, the tempter is continually saying, hey, do things your way. Make your gains. Take a shortcut. The tempter always sounds like that. He even quotes scripture, which is a half-truth. And Jesus speaks back to him and says, and again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, again. Here's how you're going to fight temptation. Again and again and again. No God's word. God's word's powerful. We're going to learn that together. We see that in the life of Christ. The third temptation of Jesus is an appeal to personal power. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of the world. That within all the world, he, Jesus in his divinity could see everything. He's omnipresent and omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing and he could see everything all at once in all places. And Satan is messing with his mind. And here he says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and you worship me. Um, what we see here is there's a temptation and appeal to personal power. It's very much like that power um, that was being tempted by in, with Adam in the garden when he says, if you eat of this, I promise you, you'll be like God. He tempts him with power. What the devil is offering Jesus is a kingdom without the cross. He's offering him a painless opportunity to gain power. He's offering him a kingdom with no crown. Where there wouldn't be a crown of thorns, it would just be a crown of gold. He's offering Jesus a throne, but at no cost. And Jesus knows that's not what the Father had decreed before the foundations of the earth, that he would demonstrate his love for us, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God would make a way through this work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and in him going to the cross, he would serve as a substitute for all of humanity and pave the way for people to have access to God, not needing a high priest. Jesus is that high priest. He went to the cross. He lived a perfect life that you and me never could live. You don't have to live a perfect life because Jesus did it for you. He did it in his humanity. And he paid for your sins in his divinity. He earned the righteousness. He was the perfect substitute. And he earned and he lived that out and demonstrated that in his life. And then he forgives us and offers us new life because of his divinity. And here we see an appeal to the personal power of Christ. A kingdom without a cross. A crown that has no thorns. And a throne that comes at no cost. The Bible says that Jesus came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus would not be, t be deterred by this. His, his heart and his mind was set on you and me, the church. He knew that this was not the way. And so he becomes adamantly blunt 
and direct. And he says, and Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. That is the accuser, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus fought temptation with Scripture. What about your temptation? You have temptation that you fight every single day. Nobody is perfect. And temptation, it is a, an incredible challenge that you need to understand that you're not alone. The Bible says that Jesus understands your temptation. You do not serve a God that is so distant, deistic, starting the universe, creating you, and then hands off. No, you have a God in his divine and plan and purpose is that he becomes, he takes on himself like a robe of humanity and places it over himself and feels everything you feel, every emotion you have, every doubt that you have. Here's what the Bible says. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect, let's say that together, one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's been tempted in every single way. Your temptation for you singles could be to take shortcuts. You don't want to wait for a spouse. You want to just experience a, a spouse now and try to play house and do all that. That could be your temptation. Or it could be to take shortcuts instead of being honest in your business dealings. You take a shortcut because you want the fast track. But something deep down inside of you says, this is wrong. Here's good news, gospel news, is God says, all right, I know you're going to do that. I know you're going to try to take shortcuts. I want to help you along the way. And let me tell you, we serve a God who says, I've been tempted in every single way just like you. So it's not like it's news to me. God doesn't want you to abandon your temptations and your sins and then come to him. He says, no, I want to help you in your temptation. Oh my, here's what I've done. I've sent my one and only son and I let him experience the magnitude and the ferocity of temptation by the devil himself. And he's served and he sympathizes and his weaknesses, he, but in every respect he was tempted yet as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus says his humanity triumphed. He crushed it. He was tempted just like you and me, but he didn't fall into that temptation. He didn't give in. So in that we see, oh my goodness, the perfection, it's called the impeccability of Jesus Christ. Why is his life so important and not falling into temptation? Here's why. Because he's the perfect representative of what we could be. He's the perfect Adam. Adam blew it. Jesus nailed it. Adam, Adam had everything that you and I have, and he couldn't measure up. He couldn't do it. And then Jesus takes that responsibility, and here it is modeled time and time again. Temptate, tempter comes and says personal needs. Jesus says, no, my need is not to bread and water alone, but to depend on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, my will is to do the will of my Father. That's why I'm here. So he is for us, Jesus, a perfect example in which we can follow in our humanity. To go, we've, we've, we're tempted, but we know that there is a way out. He is for us also a perfect representative that when he died on the cross, we don't have to. We don't have to. Jesus paid it all. That's what we sing. That's what we say. Jesus paid it all. He is the representative of the, of, of the family. So just like if you got in trouble 
and you were, your family, somebody stole something, did something, and, no, and the police came to your house and said, hey, we saw that out of this household, somebody stole a car, did this, did that. Somebody's got to pay the crime. And the father steps out of the house, and he knows it was his son that did it. He says, I'll take the blame. There's a representative punishment, consequence. And that father does it. That's the same kind of love that Jesus has done. He lived a perfect life and he steps forward on our behalf and says, I'll pay the penalty, the consequences. I'll do it on the cross. You need to know that your temptation, you're not alone. You, Jesus understands your temptation. He doesn't say, I need you to prove yourself like a holy Christian. He says, no, I want to tell you, I understand every weakness that you face. The deep secrets, the dark secrets, the horrendous, the unspeakable sins. He says, I'm not asking you to fix all those right now. What I'm asking you to do is to trust me in that, to know that I can identify with you in your weakness. Secondly, for your temptation, my temptation, we need to know that temptation leads to death. It always leads to death, a physical death, a spiritual death, an emotional death. It kill your marriage, kill your business. It'll kill your credibility. It'll kill your own peace of mind and soul. But temptation itself is not the sin. Here's what the Bible says. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Every single one of us have desires. Um, some of them are good and godly and some of them are ungodly and bad. We're born into this world with desires for our own self and they can be skewed and tempted to dishonor and defame uh, God. How many of you guys seen the movie The Chronicles of Narnia? You know, the white witch in the movie, she comes to Edmund and she represents evil. And she actually represents the tempter like this. And she plays the same game that the tempter does with Jesus in the wilderness. She comes to Edmund and says to him, the son, Edmund, uh, I need to find your family. And he, she appeals to him and gives him a delicious candy that he loves. It's called Turkish Delight. And he, she says, but it, I'll give this to you if you tell me where your family is, and as Edmund takes that in and begins to eat and enjoy himself fully, he becomes disillusioned, he becomes uh, disoriented, and begins to think that somehow the white witch is good, and that he's been copped out, played out by his family, and the witch's intent is not life and a, a, a great future, it's completely death to destroy that family. That's the exact same way temptation works in our world. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Did you know that the God, um, God will put you in circumstances where you just got to depend on him? And Satan will take your real desires that you have, maybe a desire for a great marriage, maybe a desire for a great job, and he'll tempt a good, godly, given desire and twist it so that you do evil things that dishonor him. He'll take whatever desire that you have, good or bad, and he'll twist it, Satan will, the accuser, so that you fall into sin. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. It influences everything physically, emotionally, spiritually. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Temptation leads to death. You've got to believe that and understand that our temptations that we face ultimately lead to death. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill your ministry. It will kill your work. It'll kill your very life. And here we see that there's a cycle 
that happens. We're first tempted. And temptation is not the sin. When you find temptation and you're tempted to do wrong, to disobey God, you're getting less than the best. So here's what you need to know about your temptation. God gives an escape. Bible says that no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. Meaning your temptation is not some crazy astronomical level of temptation that other people don't have. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. You get an escape route in every temptation environment you're in. There's always a way out. No matter where you find yourself, what context, what situation, at home, at work, on your travels, in any uh, personal setting you find yourself, there's always a way out. And God says he's faithful. He's not going to tempt you. God doesn't do that. He's not a vindictive, he's not the yin and the yang, good and evil. He's all good. He's 100% good. And he's faithful, and he'll give you an escape that you may be able to endure it. You can, God will always give you an escape in your temptation. Lastly, you need to fight the battle with Scripture. That's how you overcome temptation. You do what Jesus did. He bled the Bible. He bled Scripture um, many of us in today's generation, especially millennials, those born from 1980 basically to now, um, you, you put the Bible away. That's probably one of the greatest problems that we're going to face in the next few decades. We've put in the Bible away. The churches talk less about the Bible and just more about principles. And there's a great danger to that because the word is your weapon. It's the sword. This is what the Bible says, for the word of God is living, amen, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul, there's an eternal, there's an eternity at stake with the word of God, it is our weapon, and of the spirit and joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful. Um, I did some research recently, Phoenix ranks as one of the most biblically illiterate cities in the country. That's why at North Valley, we try to make a big effort to teach through books of the Bible, be saturated in Scripture as we do series like this and walking through the life of Jesus Christ. We're giving you a, we're giving you a, a historical narrative approach of the gospel writers of the life of Christ and then bringing theological truths to bear upon that so you can apply that into your life. Um, this week, we'll walk through and we'll have uh, five daily devotions for you about temptation. So you can get that on your phone under version by looking at North Valley. You can turn around and get it on our website. You got to be in the Bible. When you're pressed and you're stressed, you need God's word in you. That's the defense. That's the sword. So here's what's happening with so many believers today. They're given a sword by the grace of God to literally fight incredible things that will destroy and deter your marriage, Satan and demons and all that stuff, and you got no weapon. You got no weapon. You pull out like a little pocket knife, and God said, I gave you his word, which is a sword, and, and that's how you're going to fight. So the temptations that you face, you don't need a little pocket knife. You need a sword. You need to bleed the Bible. You need to know God's word. You need to be immersed in it. Here's what the psalmist says. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, this uh, next year, 
I've got a passion here at this church that we become a regional Christ-centered church, that we are going to impact the North Valley for Jesus Christ at the greatest magnitude where there's Christ-centered preaching and teaching, where we look at his word, that the, the preaching and the teaching here at North Valley is rooted in scripture yet highly relevant. This next year, we're doing the very first Phoenix Bible Conference. We've already got all our speakers uh, 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 pledged to come. Guys are counseling. These are top communicators, top educators in the country. And we want to help inspire and motivate a young pastoral generation in the Phoenix Valley to preach the word, to unleash the power of the gospel through the preaching and the teaching of God's word, to pick up the sword. And for you and me, we need to know this, that if we don't take God's word seriously and we are biblically illiterate, here's what you are. You are a baby that will never learn how to walk, run, and grow into the man or the woman that God's calling you to be. You won't be able to fight for your children. You won't be able to fight for your marriage because you have nothing. You got nothing. You need the word of God more than anything else in your life. My preaching and my, pre my teaching which should only inspire you and motivate you to go, I want to know more. I want to know more about God's word. This is what the psalmist says. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's my spiritual journey is spending time with God, reading his word, and in the midst and the trials and the tribulations and the struggles, somehow like scripture comes out. And it shapes my worldview, my decisions. And in that, that's practical theology, living it out. God's grace is good that he's given us his word. And he says, I don't want you to do this on your own. You don't have to come up with clever words and paradigms for your life. God says, I've given you my word. Just hide that in here. And there'll be a time and a moment when you're at a crossroads. You don't know how to do this thing called life. And you just rely on those things that he's placed in his word. Secondly, I want to encourage you to overcome temptation by getting help from the right kind of people. That means the right kind of people. There's people in life that are not safe. If you go to them in your temptations, they're going to air it out and create more division, gossip, and slander, and ruin your, your experience and opportunity that God gives you through His grace. The Bible says, therefore, confess your sins, not so somebody can beat you up with the Bible, each other, and pray for each other. You pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Some of you are struggling uh, with uh, certain sins and you are so embarrassed and you think that if you share them with another believer, they'll uh, abandon you. They'll call you a fake or a fraud or say, how dare you? Let me tell you something like that, guys. If somebody comes to you and confesses their sin, you receive them with the very same grace that Jesus Christ extended to the woman who was caught in adultery, which we'll talk about that. Every single one of us have sin, and the gospel message says, I'm not asking you to fix that. Let me fix that. Let Jesus Christ fix that. Here's what you need to do to overcome temptation. Find the right person. Somebody who is uh, righteous in the sense of they know the righteous one, Jesus Christ, the gospel message. The gospel message is that you don't have to clean yourself up before coming to God. The gospel message is that's what Jesus does. The gospel message is that you're invited into the, the struggle and the trials and the, tri the, the challenges of life. And all through the way, God's right there with you and saying, I'll give you my grace, my power, my word to help get up and keep going. You need the right kind of people in your life to make it. 
The Bible says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you struggle with sin, pick up the phone and call that person. When you're struggling in your temptation, and it could destroy your marriage, it could destroy and unfold your business, or it could unfold, go to the right person. How do you find that right person? You pray. How about that? Pray and ask God. Say, God, could you give me help to find the right person, somebody who's safe? You don't have to go to 100 people. You just go to one. Get help from the right person. The prayers are powerful and effective. And lastly, I say this because I think it'll stick in your mind is you need to run, forest, run. When you come into temptation, you got to run. Some of you have seen that movie, uh, Forrest Gump, and there's a call to Forrest to just to start running because at least he can do that. At least he can run. He might not be the smartest person in the world, but he can run. That's exactly what God says about temptation. Run. Run from the temptations that capture young people. The temptation to put your Bible away and just try to fake it until you can just make it. For you married couples, to try to find a a, a relationship outside of your marriage to meet your needs, somehow that's going to be better. Or the temptation not to expose the sin that you're in because you're afraid of a religious, self-righteous culture and allow the grace of God to work through that relationship. You've got to run from temptation that capture our people. Always do the right thing. Be faithful, loving, and easy to get along with. Worship with people. That's what you're doing here today, whose hearts are pure. Stay away from stupid and senseless arguments. These only lead to trouble. Here's the take-home truth. God knows what it's like to be tempted, and he knows the way out. Do you believe that? God knows through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He knows what it's like to be tempted. But he knows the way out. And so here's the question. Will you trust his words and his ways in your life in times of temptation? This week, I promise you this. Today's Baptism Sunday. We're going to be doing this. I promise you this. In this church, there will be more spiritual attack probably in the next week than, than there has been in the weeks past. Because every time there's a spiritual triumph or success, the enemy comes all the more harder to accuse and destroy and deter. And so my encouragement to you is not to muscle up is to look to Christ, and look to His Word. Utilize the weapons that He's given us. God wants to help you, amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I thank You, God, that uh, in baptism we celebrate the new power that's made available through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the cross, the burial, and the resurrection, and that new power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is within us. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, in this baptism time together that you would be honored, exalted, and we would celebrate, God, that we are not alone, that you are fiercely committed to us and want to work through us. Uh, Lord, and we pray that we'd apply this teaching today for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.